let's take our Bibles to James chapter 4. If you're able to stand with me, let's uh, stand and uh, we'll read a, a few verses here this evening out of James chapter 4. And one of the things that so convinces me and, and shows me that the Bible is the Word of God is the fact that it is still so applicable today as it was when it was penned. And you think about uh, 2,000 years ago, uh, James wrote this scripture, and uh, he, he just knew the heart of man as uh, he writes this. And we're going to look at wars and uh, winning the war uh, here tonight. Uh, look with me, James chapter 4, verse number 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust, and ye have not. Ye kill, and desire to have, and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, he shall lift you up. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? I want to stop at, at that point. And, and we're going to, to look at, at wars and winning the war. And how do you, how do you win the war? And uh, as uh, James lays out just a very clear pattern for that. If you'll join me, let's go to the Lord uh, here this evening. Father, you're so good to us, and I thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being here tonight. And Lord, we, we look unto you. We so need you, and uh, just ask you tonight to be our teacher. And Lord, I don't know the heart of any person, but you know every heart, and uh, there's never an accident with you. And every person here was brought by you, led by you, and uh, we sure do need to hear from you tonight. And uh, Lord, I, I believe this principle that we look at tonight is so crucial. Every one of us in this room will have to deal with this at some point in our lives. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated here uh, this evening. And, uh, you know, it's, it's evident that we live in a war-torn world, don't we? Uh, October the 7th, uh, we're very familiar with that now. The war in Israel broke out. Uh, there have been thousands of deaths uh, since October the 7th and what has taken place. Uh, you all know of the war that's going on in Ukraine. Uh, I was reading uh, June the 7th, 2023. On that date, there were 55 active conflicts in the world. And uh, these 55 conflicts taking place in 38 affected different countries. Uh, there, these, uh, these particular conflicts, these 55 conflicts, were, were all uh, state-based by that uh, government against government or, or nation against nation, uh, kingdom against kingdom uh, situations. 
Now, that doesn't include all the gang wars that are taking place on the streets uh, throughout uh, the United States and throughout the world, and uh, the, the family conflicts, uh, multitudes, multitudes of fights, murders uh, taking place. It's a war-torn world uh, everywhere you look. Uh, there's the turmoil, there's the difficulty taking place. Now, the wars of a sinful world invade our own lives. And so every one of us uh, deal with it in some capacity. I want you to go back with me, look at James chapter 4, and just to point out a couple of, of words here. In verse 1, uh, the statement, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your loss that war in your members? He says, You lost, you have not, you kill, you desire to have, cannot attain, because you fight and war, yet you have not, because you ask not. In verse number 4, he says, You adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God, and this means uh, being the enemy of God, or literally being at war with God. Uh, whosoever, therefore, will be the friend of the world is the enemy of God, or whoever is a friend of the world is at war with God. And so you see the, the war that's uh, taking place affects each and every one of us. And, and what James chapter 4 is doing uh, for us tonight, he's giving us the secrets for winning the war. Uh, and uh, first of all, you've got to win the war within your own heart and uh, before you can win the war in your family. And uh, you've got to win the war uh, uh, ultimately with God before you can win the war in your own heart. And that's what's laid out for us here in James chapter 4. I want to, want to look at uh, two thoughts here tonight, uh, the path of war, and then we're going to look at the path of victory. So there's the path of war, the path of victory. Look at verse number one again, the statement, where does war come from, the path of war. Uh, this question is asked, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Where do the wars come from? And as you look through this passage of scripture, he speaks of a war with others, and uh, we can go back, and again, how applicable the Bible is. And uh, there's, there's no other explanation uh, for the, the sin of the world other than what the Word of God has to say to us. And, uh, and a war uh, came with sin. Sin brought with it conflict. And you go back, uh, Adam and Eve rebelled against God. They were at enmity with God. They were at war with God. Uh, but the war, their rebellion against God, led to Cain and Abel and the murder of Abel by Cain out of jealousy because of the acceptance of Abel's offering. Now you move on just a little bit further, and you go to Genesis chapter 13, and you find a conflict taking place between Abraham and Lot. And there's a war uh, taking place, and they were fighting over the pasture land, and uh, their possessions had grown so much there wasn't room for both of them, so their herdsmen are at conflict one with another. Uh, later, Abraham, as Lot uh, fled from our left Abraham, left Bethel, left the house of God, and made his way ultimately to Sodom and Gomorrah. And uh, there, there was judgment that came from God, and uh, Lot was taken captive in a war. And it was Abraham that uh, took his men and rescued Lot out of that war. If you follow the Old Testament, I'm reading right now the book of Judges. And in the book of Judges, uh, you'll read of war after war after war as God's people got away from the Lord. And so the wars throughout the Old Testament. Now James, in this passage of Scripture, he's dealing with the conflict. He's dealing with war, a conflict that happens amongst Christian brothers and sisters, uh, even within Christian homes, even within churches, the conflict that takes place. And that's what James is dealing with. Now if you were to go back, and, and we won't do this tonight for the sake of time, 
But in the book of 1 Corinthians, the book of 1 Corinthians talks uh, in, a, in a local church setting uh, that there were divisions in their midst. Uh, one said, I'm a Paul. Another said, I'm a Apollos. And uh, he says, They're, you're carnal, brothers. You're, you're divided one to another. That ought not be. He goes on in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 5, and there was a, a man that was living in known sin and known rebellion against the Lord. And, and uh, Paul says, you need to deal with such an one. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, within that local church, there were uh, members that were going to court uh, against one another. Uh, they were going to a secular court to decide the conflict within. And, and Paul deals very strictly with that. That ought not to be the case within a local church and uh, harming the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, he talks about their pride, that they were puffed up with pride over what they assumed was spiritual knowledge, and they thought that they knew more than others, and they became very proud in their spiritual life. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, there was conflict in that church over the Lord's Supper, and uh, they were participating in a wrong method in the Lord's Supper. In chapters 12 through 14, 1 Corinthians, there were battles over spiritual gifts, and there was pride uh, concerning spiritual gifts. And uh, Paul really gives the answer in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 13, and he says charity, and uh, charity covers a multitude of sins. Now James is dealing with that type of conflict, and what James is all about is maturing, growing up in the Lord Jesus Christ. I really believe with all of my heart that there ought to be a difference in a Christian home as compared to the home of a lost person. Uh, there ought to be a, a different attitude from a Christian uh, within the church uh, than you would face in the world and at work in the workforce. So James is dealing with the conflict. I want you to go back to chapter 2 of James and just look at some of the conflict that he's dealing with. Chapter 2, verse number 1. He says, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there come into your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, there come also a poor man in vile raiment. You have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, saying to him, Sit thou here in a good place. Say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are you not then partial in yourselves? Become judges of evil thoughts. Hearken, my beloved brethren. Hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? But ye have despised the poor. He says, Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which you are called? If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin, are convinced of the laws, transgressors. And so he's talking here about showing favoritism toward the wealthy over the poor. And he says you ought not be a respecter of persons. We go to chapter 3. We dealt with this last week in verse number 13. And again, he's talking about conflict, strife, and envy. He says in verse 13, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, lie not against the truth. This wisdom descended not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish, where envying and strife is, there is confusion, every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And the root of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. So he's talking here about strife and envy. And he says, this is earthly, this is sensual, this is devilish, this is not of the Lord. 
in chapter 4. Look at verse number 11. We read this a moment ago. He says, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother, uh, and judgeth his brother, speaketh evil of the law, judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. Speaking evil, making judgments against others in circumstances and situations. See, a lost world often looks upon so-called Christianity that is a conflict, and, and I've heard this statement before. If that's what Christianity is all about, if that's what Christians are like, then I want no part of it. If, uh, and and the, the thought is uh, Christians are hypocrites, and if Christians are going to be hypocrites, I don't want any part of that. Um, that's the world's attitude at it. But sometimes uh, Christians, because we're not mature in the Lord, and we're not dealing with conflict in a proper way. We're at war instead of being at peace. And I'll show you the principle here in just a moment. Uh, we cause a lot of damage to the cause of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's a dog-eat-dog world. And uh, in that dog-eat-dog world, uh, uh, the method of the world is to get to the top. You've got to step on the, the fingers of everybody else and put them down. But that ought not be so amongst God's people. Uh, there ought to be a difference in a Christian home, in a Christian family, and I believe with all of my heart when we follow the principles of God's word, uh, God can put a home together that can be a type of heaven on earth. And I believe that a church ought to be a place of refuge. It ought to be a place where uh, God's love is, is shared one with another. Ought to be a difference amongst Christian brothers and sisters. Now go back to John chapter 13. Oh, no, let, that's okay. We, we won't do that. Just think of time here tonight. But uh, John 13 says, A new commandment I give unto you, which thing is true. And in, in the, or he says, That I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. He said, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have loved one to another. Now, he's talking here in James, uh, first of all, about war with others. Again, look at James 4 and verse number 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Where do these conflicts come from? Why are all the conflicts? Why the home conflicts? Why the church conflicts? Why the division? Why conflicts with brother against brother? Whence come these fightings among you? Well, he talks then about a war within. The conflict with others comes because of a war within. Now look at this in James 4 verse number 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust, ye have not, ye kill, ye desire to have, cannot attain, ye fight and war, ye have not because ye ask not, ye ask, receive not because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. What he's saying is the war with others starts from within us. Uh, it's uh, a heart issue. And that's why we've talked about in past weeks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. What's in the heart is eventually going to come out. Go back to James chapter 3 again. Read with me verse 14. He said, if you have bitter envying and strife, where? In your hearts. Glory not, lie not against the truth. This wisdom descended not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. He says, where, where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Now, the fact is tonight, each and every one of us are sinful beings. Every one of us at the very core of our being, apart from Jesus Christ, are selfish. Uh, we're filled with pride, and within our own hearts, there's bitterness and selfishness and pride 
uh, if the Lord doesn't deal with this. And the conflict within our own hearts leads to the conflicts that we have with others. And so James breaks down this conflict, and it's very important to see as he breaks this down. He First of all, the heart problem, he talks about the lust of our flesh. Okay, Again, look at, at verse number uh, 1, the latter part. He says, Whence come these wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? He states in verse number 3 that you may consume it upon your lusts. And he's talking about selfish desires. And selfish desires lead to wrong actions. Uh, we speak wrong words because of selfish desires. Uh, he says in verse number 2, you kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not. And he's saying because of the selfish desires, it leads to all sorts of wickedness. There's murder and covetousness and envy and strife. And he says in verse number 5, Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? See, selfish desires lead to wrong motives. In verse number 3, uh, we pray selfishly to consume it upon our loss. We uh, look at God as a big Santa Claus. Uh, who is his purpose in, in the mind of many is to give me what I want, uh, to give me what I think I need, rather than to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and we're never satisfied in that case in our relationships because we war within. See, the real problem is not other people. We're good at blaming others, aren't we? Uh, we have a conflict, a problem, and our first thought is it's their fault. Uh, they didn't listen to me, or they didn't have the right attitude. They said something they shouldn't have said. We're good at blaming others. But so often we forget to look within our own heart. And so the real problem is not other people, but it's our heart. And it's evident you can't serve God and the flesh at the same time. And so the war within deals with this lust of the flesh. But the war within also deals with the love of the world. Look in verse 4 of chapter 4. He says, ye adulterous and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. In other words, if you're going to be the friend of the world, you're going to be the enemy of God. You can't serve two masters. He says in verse number 4, whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. First uh, John put it this way in chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, love not the world, Neither the things that are in the world, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse number 2 tells us, uh, be not conformed to this world. That, that word conformed, don't, don't be molded to the world. Don't let the world mold you to its image. Again, there ought to be a difference in the heart of a, of a saved person as compared to the heart of a lost person. Uh, the world, it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world. And uh, the world, uh, the attitude is, I, I've got to rise to the top. I've got to be number one. Uh, the attitude of God ought to be just the opposite. My goal ought to be to uplift others. My goal ought to be uh, to make my wife or my husband the best that I can make them. It's not about me. It ought to be about serving others and being what Christ wants us to be. And so don't be molded to the world. Don't be conformed to the world. Uh, again, you cannot serve God 
and the world. Now, also, you'll notice he's talking about the lust of the flesh, the love of the world, but then he talks about the enemy that we have, and that's the devil. Look in verse number 7. He says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, every one of us have a war within, don't we? You, you all, you have a war. If you're saved, you, you fight a battle. There's a war, a war within. You have a battle with your own flesh. You get saved. You didn't get perfect. No, you received a new nature. It's that nature that you received from the Lord. But you still have your old nature. And there's a war between that new nature and that old nature. You've got a nature that wants to serve God, but you still have your flesh that wants to serve self. And there's that war. There's that conflict. And every one of us have a war with the world, don't we? We battle the world. The world's real. And the world puts its pressure upon us day by day to conform to its image. We have that battle that we fight within uh, concerning the world. But every one of us have an enemy, and that enemy is the devil. And he is the thief. Uh, the Lord has come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. Uh, the devil, he's the thief. He's the robber. He's the liar. And that devil, he attacks and he accuses and he tempts. And the Bible tells us here in verse number 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And he's saying that you can't yield to the devil. You can't yield to him. There's a war. You've got to resist that war and fight that battle. Go back to chapter 3, verse number 15. Again, he speaks of this battle that is within, uh, that, uh, that strife and conflict. This wisdom descended not from above. But notice this. It's earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. So there's a war with others, and the war with others comes because of a war within. But the war within comes because of a war with God. And notice again, and this is the problem. This is the path that leads to conflict and to war. Chapter 4, verse 4. The adulteress and adulteresses know ye not that the friendship of the world this statement here is enmity with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be the friend of the world is the enemy of God. So we have a war with others because we have a war within, and we have a war within because we have a war with God. And uh, the fact is, apart from Jesus Christ, we're lost. Do you know that if you're not saved, you're condemned already because you are a sinner and all of us are sinners? Uh, but without Jesus Christ, you're condemned already because you have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. The old devil's going to do everything he can to keep you from putting your faith for eternal life upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there's a war with God. But even after salvation, now there are times that we are at enmity with God. We're not right with God. And we have that war within because there's the war with God. And we know sin always breaks fellowship with God. You can't serve God and the flesh. You can't serve God and the world. You can't serve God and the devil. Uh, you can't do that and at the same time serve God. Go back to chapter 3. and We dealt with this last week. Look at verse number 11. He says, Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? And so if you have a, a fountain and it brings forth good water, it's uh, good because the source is good. Uh, and a fountain can't bring forth both sweet water and bitter water at the same time. He says in verse number 12, Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? No, a fig tree bears 
fig trees. And as we spoke last week, what is in the heart? The fountain. That's what's going to come out of the life. If you're right with God, then that's going to come out of your life. If you're at war with God, that's what's going to come out of your life. If you find yourself in strife and conflict and you're not right in your heart with God, uh, the problem is your heart that has to be right and you're at enmity with God that leads to the enmity with others and we have to deal with the heart. So this is the path of war. This is where the war, the battle comes from. But here's the, the meat. And, and if you get nothing else tonight, this is what you get. It's this next part that is so very important. I'm going to give you the victory. How, how do you get victory? What is the path to victory? How is victory accomplished? See, God gives us instructions for knowing peace instead of war. I don't know about you, but I like, I like peace a lot better in my own heart than I do war. Don't you? I like peace in my family a lot better than I like war in the family. I like peace in our church a lot better than I like war. And so God gives us the instructions for uh, finding that peace. And notice in James 3, verse 17, he says, The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace, of them that make peace. And so here James gives us that path to victory, that path to overcoming the conflict, that path to peace. And look with me, James 4, verse 7. In that path to peace, there is submission to God. He says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. That word submit simply means to yield. It means to surrender. To submit to God means to surrender to His power, to surrender to His authority, to surrender to the will of God, to come to this place that, God, I surrender to You. I, I put up the white flag. I'm no longer the boss of my own heart. Uh, you're my boss. Uh, Lord, I'm no longer in the driver's seat. You're in the driver's seat. Uh, here's my life. I submit this life to You I'm willing for you to take me where you want me to be and to do with me what you want me to be or to, to do. And, and Lord, I'm yours. I submit to place myself under God. Uh, when he says submit to God, he's talking about an unconditional surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we're not submitted to God, we're going to be at war with God. Okay, You're going to be at enmity with God. If you're not surrendered to God, uh, the Lord, if you're saved, and you're not surrendered to God, God's going to chasten you. Aren't you glad about that? I am. I'm glad that God loves me enough to discipline me. If you're not surrendered to God, you'll be at war with God. And if you're at war with God, you're going to be at war with yourself. And if you're at war with yourself, you're going to be at war with others. See, that's just the natural path of this war, of this conflict. And so here's the key, is, is coming and submitting to the Lord. An uncommitted Christian is miserable. An unsurrendered Christian opens himself up to satanic influence. You see, if you're not under the umbrella of God for your life, uh, the old devil is going to beat you to smithereens. And there are a lot of Christians today that they're miserable, they're at war with God, 
they're miserable within their heart. They're at conflict within their heart because they've never come uh, to an altar in their hearts and said, God, I surrender to you. I trust you. And, and I trust you to, to take care of my life. It's surrendered to you. Here's this path to victory. I, I don't know of any other path to victory. You know, a lot of times we want the blessing of God, but we don't want the way of God. Okay? And this is the way of God. Submission to God. Surrender to God. Surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. It, it's a path of victory. There's no other path that I know of than to come humbly surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. So he said, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now notice also verse number 8. Not only is there surrender to God, but he says, draw near to God. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. What does it mean to draw nigh to God? He says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn, weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. If we're going to draw nigh to God, we've got to deal with this issue of sin. How do we do so? Confessing that sin. If I confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive me my sin, to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Uh, how, do we, how do we draw nigh to God? We, we come to confess that sin. Cleanse your hearts, he says. Uh, you, he says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. And as we confess that sin, we need to get into the word of God. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. We need to spend some time in prayer. And here's the promise. As you make the move to draw nigh to God, you're going to find a God who's already drawn nigh to you. You want to know the Lord intimately, closely. You want to be like Paul the Apostle to say that I may know him and the fellowship of his sufferings, the power of his resurrection. You draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. You ever wake up and you wonder, how come God is so far away? Where is the Lord? How did it get so far from God? Well, it wasn't God that moved. It was you that moved. You draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. You'll find that he was there all along. He didn't move. You're the one that moved. And as you come to the Lord, you're going to find the blessing of this, this path to peace, this path to victory. So draw near to God. Go back to verse number 6. So we, uh, this path to victory, submit to God, draw near to God. And in verse number six, humble yourselves before God. He says, he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. That's so important. There's nothing that you will face in life, but what God does not have the grace for you to go through it. If God allows you to go through something, there's grace for that situation. But the way to find that grace is to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. He says, if you humble yourself, uh, God will give grace. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Go to verse number 10, and he says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. As you study the word of God, the book of Proverbs points this out so very clearly. Pride is always the source of contention. Only by pride cometh contention. Uh, go with me to Philippians chapter 2. Keep your place here 
in James, but go back with me to Philippians chapter 2. And, uh, and, and this becomes su such a neat scripture. We, we use this often, but uh, the, the truths of Philippians 2 are priceless. They're, they're precious gems. And he deals here with this issue of conflict. In Philippians chapter 2, verse number 3, he says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. What does he say? Humble yourselves. Let us each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. And my friend, that is the path to victory. This is the path of humility. Here's Jesus. He's God. And yet he humbled himself and became man. And here at this Christmas season, we often think of his humble birth in a manger. Uh, he was accused of being an illegitimate child, a virgin-born son of God. And uh, here, not born to a king's family, but born in poverty and laid in a manger. Uh, he left the glory of heaven and took upon him that form of a servant. He was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, the Bible says he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. He didn't look to himself. He looked to you. He looked to others. He paid the debt that we owe. He died in your place. He died for your sin. He took my sin. He took your sin upon him. He did that. He didn't have to do that. He had no sin, but he did that because he loved you. He did that to end the conflict within your own heart. As we humble ourselves, as did Christ under the mighty hand of God, he maketh even our enemies to be at peace. And that's the teaching here in the Word of God, the path of war. It starts because we're at war with God. And being at war with God, it leads to a war within our own heart. And it's that war within our own heart that leads to war with others. But here's the path to victory, the path to peace. How? We submit to God. Unconditional surrender. Whatever God wants. Take a blank sheet of paper and sign your name to it and let God fill it in. We submit to God. We draw nigh to God. Confessing our sin. Pouring our hearts out before him. Seeking the word of God. Spending time with him in prayer. Draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. And then we humble ourselves before God. And he promises his grace for whatever you face as you humble yourself under his mighty hand. So the path to war and then the path to victory that God gives us here in the book of James. Let's bow out.